our reading this morning is going to be from Philippians 3, uh, from verse 1 going through to 14. And it says this, Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it is a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those men who do evil, those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision, we who worship by the Spirit of God, who glory in Christ Jesus and who put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reasons for such confidence. If anyone else thinks he has reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for legalistic righteousness, faultless. But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. And so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. Now that I've already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize, for which God has called me heavenwards in Christ Jesus. Amen. Let's pray, shall we? Lord, we invite you to be our teacher. Holy Spirit, come. Lord, we're listening. We know there's something you want to say to us. Lord, we're desperate to hear from you. And we're open. Amen. Well, here in this series, we've been thinking about the good news of Jesus. This series that we end today all about how good is this good news. The word gospel means good news. And over these last few weeks, we've been asking some big questions about Christianity. If it's good news, then how does it stack up to the questions we might have today? And in all of this, I wonder if there's a question for us as we come to a close. And the question is this. Can we miss just how good the good news is, even when we're pretty close to it. How sad would it be to be involved in Riverside or to have come along this morning and to have not quite grasped just how good this good news is? Or how sad it would be to have once known how good the good news was, but now life has taken over Our eyes have been focused on other things and we've lost the joy 
that was mentioned in that reading. Did you notice the opening words? My brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. This, says Paul, the writer to this church in Philippi, is good news even for you. There is joy available here. Rejoice. And how sad it would be, wouldn't it? That we're that close and yet we've lost the joy. And the good news, yeah, we know it's good, but we've lost that dazzling, breathtaking sense of wonder. That this is good news for me and for this whole planet. Or maybe even you've never quite got it and you've thought other things. But you're beginning to wonder if there is more to this Jesus that makes a difference for you today. So I want to simply unpack this passage of the Bible. And there's five things, five reasons I wonder that we might miss the good news. And this is reasons that some of us who were just exploring Christianity, we might have kind of got things wrong a bit. But it's also five reasons for some of us who are Christians. Maybe, maybe we've been Christians for many, many years but we've just got distracted a little bit and the good news has slightly lost its power and punch, so we think. So five re ways we might miss it, five reasons. And here's the first one. I wonder if one of the reasons we miss that this is good news is because we've got caught up in the idea that it's what's outside that counts. We focus on the externals not the internals. Did you notice how the reading began? Let me read it to you again. Further, writes Paul, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It's no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it's a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. That's strong language. Calling people in this church environment dogs and evildoers. What is it that's so evil? Well, they're mutilating the flesh. Now, not to put too fine a point on it, what was clearly happening in the church in those days, there were some people who'd heard this message of Jesus, but then were still saying, ah, yeah, it's great, you can believe that, but you still need to get circumcised. If you really want to be acceptable before God, there's things you need to do to make you right before God. And Paul says that focus on external things that you think you need to do is not only misplaced advice, it is, quotes, evil. Whoa. And of course, for all of us today, there's some power there, isn't there? I wonder if some of us have got so caught up in what we present we think that's the key, and therefore we've lost how breathtaking the good news really is. Let me give an example of this. Social media is one of those things, isn't it? Whether you love things, whether you're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever it might be, where there is a real temptation, isn't there, of presenting certain things about our lives. Some of us want to present positive things about our lives. So we might want to present that our career is going brilliantly even though we can't stand it. Or we might want to present that we've got this amazing relationship we're involved with even though we know we have questions or there are real challenges. 
Or if we've got a family, we might want to present that we know how to do this thing, even though we haven't got the faintest idea. Or we might want to present that we are Mr. or Miss Wise, Mr. or Miss Super Godly, Mr. or Miss Follower of Jesus Extraordinaire. So we're continually posting things that are more about what we want to present to others than actually what is really going on in our heart. We think the externals are more important than the internal. Some of us want to present positive. Others of us, another real danger of our age, I might suggest, want to always present slightly provocatively. So any held opinion, we want to attack or dismantle. We want to be the one that's always questioning everything because of how it makes us look Mr. or Miss Wise, Mr. or Miss Bright, Mr. or Miss Clever, Mr. or Miss Intelligent. As a side note, by the way, for those that are interested in such things, I wonder if some of the things that are going on with that is a shift to our culture becoming more of a shame culture, an honor culture than before. Something to ponder on. Anyway, might I suggest that for Paul, the reason the good news of Jesus is good news is because it has nothing to do with what you present. You don't have to wear a mask. In fact, if you think you have to wear a mask and present something, it may be just maybe you've missed quite how good this good news really is. Just before Easter, I had a brilliant conversation with someone in one of our Sunday gatherings. Just after it, she'd been invited along by a friend for the first time to Riverside. And she'd kind of been in her past like decades ago involved in sort of church but had not you know really found a place because she had grown up thinking that it was all about how you appeared as long as you went to church looked nice looked tidy did the right things were polite all that kind of stuff that was what church was about that was what Christianity is about being an upright good person isn't it and her words were and I quote where has this been all my life because she began to get a glimpse that Jesus really is good news for her. Not, this is how you've got to fit in. This is how you've got to look. This is what you need to do. And so as a result, she said, right, brilliant. So she signed up to Alpha and all that kind of stuff. All because she began to realize Jesus and the message of Jesus is nothing to do with how you present. In fact, if you're intent on presenting strength or success or having it all together, it may be that you haven't quite grasped just how good this good news is. So maybe that's one reason we miss it. We're focused more on the externals. But here's the second thing that I think Paul might have to say to us. Maybe... One of the reasons we've missed how dazzlingly good this good news is is that we're a bit too confident in ourselves. Because what Paul says is fascinating. So in confrontation with these people that are trying to teach a different thing, saying this is what you've got to do, he says these words, For it's we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by his spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus and who put no confidence in the flesh. In other words, it's got nothing to do with what we do. 
Our boasting is in Jesus, not in ourselves. And then he says these stunning words, which I think are hilarious. Though I myself have such reasons for confidence. What he's saying is, okay, you want to be confident about what you're doing, how you're looking? Well, here's my resume. Compare. And this is what he says. Love it. If someone thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I've got more than you. Here we go. I was circumcised on the eighth day. Tick. People of Israel. Tick. Tribe of Benjamin. Tick. Hebrew of Hebrews. In regard to the law, I was a Pharisee. In other words, you've got nothing to question me about the way I live my life. As for zeal, come on then, you think you're more passionate than me? I even persecuted the church. That's how strong I was. Read Acts. And as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. You would not have been able to look at Paul's life and find any gap. How are you doing? And that's why with that CV, how stunning it is for him to say, we put no confidence in the flesh. I boast not in that, but in Christ Jesus. In other words, he's got no confidence in him at all. How different that is for our society, where we think we have to push ourselves. We have to be strong. We have to be the successful ones. It's all about me and if I can get through. And of course, all of us deep down know when the head hits the pillow. Either that is the pathway to therefore look down on others because we think we're better than them. Or it's the pathway to despair because we think everyone else is better than us. Paul says we are not confident in ourselves at all. Therefore, this is good news because we are not the saviour. Jesus is. And therefore, there are no second-class citizens in the church. You've all been on an aeroplane, maybe. I've never had to get in an aeroplane and turn left, sadly. I'd love to one day or maybe go up the stairs even. Wow, through that curtain to the first-class seats. Maybe some of you have. I don't want to judge. But you know what it's like? You just wish you could go in there, but you have to go to the economy and bunch your knees up and all that sort of stuff. The reality is there are no second class. There is no economy class Christian. Think of somebody that you think of as being a great godly saint. And according to Paul, according to the Bible, you are as accepted by God than they are, as they are. You are as pure and as holy and as loved as they are. Whether it be Paul, whether it be Spurgeon, whether it be Billy Graham, whoever your hero is, you are as loved and as secure and as saved as they are. It's got nothing to do with you. It's got nothing to do with me. We're not confident in ourselves at all. And maybe if we've lost sight of how good the good news is, it's because we've just got a little bit too much confidence in us. It's immensely freeing when you realize you're going to continue to mess up. You're going to continue to let people down. You're going to continue to fail, but your salvation has nothing to do with that. That's a freeing thing. That's good news. So that's the second question. Maybe we've, we've, we've become too confident in us. But here's the third thing. Maybe the reason we've lost sight of how good the good news is is because we've got our eyes on the wrong prize. Our gaze is focused on the wrong thing and maybe our sight is too low. Let me explain. 
Look at what Paul says. In light of this CV, in light of all these good things that he could say, aren't I impressive? This is what he says. Whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What's more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. This is stunning. Everything, says Paul, comes second to the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus. What he's very simply saying is the best thing possible in life is knowing Jesus. Riverside's mission statement is wanting to help get, hang on, helping people get to know Jesus. Helping people get to know Jesus and grow as his obedient followers in Birmingham and beyond. In other words, we're convinced because of what the Bible teaches in our own experience in life that getting to know Jesus is the deal breaker, the game changer. Everything changes. That is the top thing we can do in life, knowing Jesus. And Paul would agree. And so therefore, that thing that you are focused on in life, that you think will satisfy, will fulfill, will make your life all sweet and hunky-dory, is nowhere near as impressive as the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus. Those things may be good things, but they're not as good as knowing Jesus. Your eyes are too low. Your sight is focused on the wrong thing. And maybe for some of us, The reason we've forgotten how good the good news is or we've never quite understood is that at the moment there are things that we're focused on that that would define my life and we're so kind of grappling with that that we're not lifting our eyes up to see just how good knowing Jesus is. Paul considered everything, his reputation, his career, his status, everything as loss, worthless. Now, I don't know if you know the name Marcin Jedrzinski. I had to check that. Marcin Jedrzinski is a name that will probably be forgotten in history. You may not have even heard it. But the reason he's known, if he is known, is because of winning a race in 2004. In Athens, in the Olympics in 2004, he won the fourth heat of the Olympics 200 meters. Nothing notable apart from the fact that there was a little-known runner who came fifth in that race by the name of Usain Bolt. In other words, Marcin Jedrzinski is the one who has beaten the legend in a major Olympics Games. Very few else have. But what happened after that was noticeable. Usain Bolt had just won the juniors, So he was clearly on the rise, but he still had a bit too much swagger. And so before the race, he was messing about as he does, but he'd lost his focus. And after those Olympics, he got a new coach who drilled into him the importance of discipline and focus. So that before a race now, he's still, well, he's retired, obviously. He still had the kind of game, but you notice the moment it changes, boom, he's on because his eyes are on the prize. But the interesting thing that happened was what he thought the prize was changed because he now or then would say 
His aim, his prize was not just to win a race, was not even to win a particular event or to win a gold medal or even to win a championship. His prize was to become a legend. His gaze changed, which made him focus more and delivered results. Friends, I think Paul would say, even Usain Bolt's gaze was too low. The surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus, focus on that, everything changes. And you'll see just how good the good news really is. So, maybe we're focusing on externals. Maybe we're a bit too confident in ourselves. Maybe we're just looking in the wrong places. But a fourth question, fourth reason we might miss the good news is this. Maybe we've just got a case of mistaken identity. Maybe we've just not really grasped how good it actually is. Now, I don't know if you know who this man is. Anyone know who this man is? This man's name is John Lewis. And John Lewis, when Twitter first came out, was quick. And so got his Twitter handle as at John Lewis. Well, it won't surprise you. There's another slightly small shop that wished they had that. And now they have to have the Twitter handle at John Lewis Retail. And so you've got these two Twitter John Lewis, a man in middle America, and John Lewis, the retail shop that's huge. And it won't surprise you that that's led to lots of fun and games. Here is Belinda writing to John Lewis. Please pass on huge thanks to Millie in the beauty department at Southampton for exceptional customer service on Tuesday evening. Helped me with an exchange and really went the extra mile. Another reason to always shop with you. To which John Lewis brilliantly replies, will do, as soon as I see her. Not sure when that will be though. <laughs> or this one. Philip Page, very well done, John Lewis, for getting gluten-free scones in your Trafford Centre cafe. <laughs> to which I love this, John Lewis says, it's the least I could do. <laughs> Actually, doing nothing's the least I could do, which I did. <laughs> and then the final one, Sharon, clearly a bit miffed at the customer service and the offer of insurance that John Lewis Retail were giving to her, just had a 33% higher quote from insurance uh, from John Lewis because they noticed an increase in claims about leaks in bathrooms in my area, beyond belief. To which John Lewis replies, no, you didn't. I have no interest whatsoever in the number of bathroom leaks you have in your area. The point is there are countless people, go on, it's very, very funny. Uh, countless people getting mistaken identity, think they're speaking to John Lewis retail, and they're speaking to a man in middle America who is very, with great wit, responding. So much so that actually there's quite a good relationship. So every year, John Lewis shop now give him, send him presents every year, and then he tweets about how amazing John Lewis' shop is in light of all this. Here's the point. <laughs> Have some of us just got a mistaken identity about what Christianity is really about? We've just got it wrong. For some of us, we've been coming to church for many years, and we still think it's about what we do and how impressive we are as long as we're good enough. It's about what we achieve for God and the great things that we can do for him rather than actually what he's done for us. 
And for others of us, we may just be beginning to understand that actually this Christianity that we've heard about is way better than we ever dreamed. The offer of salvation from the God of the universe, regardless of how your life is. That's good news. Look at what Paul says. He considers all this good stuff in his life, as it were, rubbish. The actual word is manure, or even more explicit if you want to go there. That I may gain Christ and be found in him. Why? Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Jesus. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. That's good news. That actually being accepted before God is totally free from what you do. It's simply clinging on to Jesus. Saying, I got nothing. I got stuff in my locker, God. And he says, I know. But Jesus has taken the hit. That's good news. Or we might say, but God, it's what I want to do for you that counts. And he's saying, you never get good enough. You'll not do enough. But cling to Jesus. He's done it all. That's good news. So, maybe we've got it wrong. Maybe we've misunderstood. Maybe we've just focused on something else a little bit. Maybe, maybe we're a bit confident in ourselves or we've just focused on the externals. But here's the fifth reason we might miss the good news, and it's this. Maybe we're focusing on things in the past rather than things ahead. You know what it's like? Your story may be full of pain, may be full of things done against you, or maybe they're full of things that you know you've done that you even today shudder at. Or it may be full of just a kind of self-confidence that you know has alienated you from others and you know is not pretty. And you know deep down is not best placed. Look at what Paul says. In light of all the good stuff he's done, seeing how amazing all that Jesus did on the cross for him, this is what he says. Not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I don't consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, just one thing, I forget what's behind, and I simply strain towards what's ahead. I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenwards in Christ Jesus. He writes, there is a future that is way better than you can even imagine. And so therefore, regardless of whether life has been sweet or not, keep pressing on towards that. And I would guess there are some people here that life, your past, as it were, your looking back is full of pain. And because of that, the joy has gone a little bit for very understandable reasons. And yet Paul would remind you, ahead there is a glory and a hope beyond death that is way better than you can ever imagine. And so, friend, please, just just keep putting one foot in front of the other. Hard though that may be, even though your eyes may want to drift elsewhere, keep pressing on towards that goal that is guaranteed by Jesus. Or for others of us, we, we, we may look to the past and it may be full of glory, it may be full of success, it may be even we were walking with Jesus doing amazing things for him and we look back to those days and long for the glory days. Paul says, no, 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 keep putting one foot in front of the other. 
the glory ahead is way, way better, way sweeter than those. That's good news. And it's guaranteed not by what we do. It's guaranteed by Jesus. It may be that some of us right now are thinking there are things that we would long to be in our life, things that we would long to have a part of our story that aren't there at the moment. And we know it's a choice ultimately between Jesus and that thing. Tempting though that thing may be, can I encourage you as Paul would, Jesus is worth it. It's worth just simply trying to do all you can to put one foot in front of the other falteringly. I'm going to keep on, Jesus, pressing on towards that goal. That's why we need each other to carry each other, to say, please help me, I need to keep going with Jesus. Because the goal is heaven with Christ Jesus, guaranteed by him. Don't lose it as Esau did for the sake of a quick temporary fix. This is good news. This is knowing Jesus. And so friends, as we come to a close, we're going to pray together. And we're simply going to pray using some words from the Psalms. In Psalm 51, after David has really screwed it up, he prays a real prayer of confession. And he prays some beautiful words that we're going to pray. Psalm 51, he says this, Restore to me the joy of your salvation. And we're simply going to pray that. So can I invite you to stand? Please stand. And as the band come back up, what I'm simply going to do is invite us to close our eyes. You may find it helpful to hold open your hands. It may be that doing this is, is weird for you. You've never even prayed. Or you've never prayed a prayer like this. And we're simply going to pray those words together out loud. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Some of us might be praying it for the first time that we've begun to glimpse that this is good news. Others of us, this is a prayer that we long to get that fire back in our belly. The joy that changes everything. So we're going to say, restore to me the joy of my salvation. So let's be still. So should we say those words together? Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Let's say them. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Holy Spirit, we pray that for those who are longing to get some joy back, please restore to them the joy of your salvation. And for those who for the first time have begun to glimpse, this is good news. Restore to them the joy of your salvation. So we say again together, restore to me the joy of your salvation. May it be so, we pray. In Jesus' good name. Amen.